0: Amen. Amen. All right. While they receive the offering, go ahead and pull out your Bibles. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. Um, if you are new and you are just joining us this morning, maybe for the first time, we've been in the Gospel of Luke for a little while. We've been in the Gospel of Luke since actually December um, here at Flourishing Grace. And uh, we got about a month left. We're going to wrap up Luke on Easter. Luke 11 is where we're going to be this morning. Luke 11. Um, If you didn't bring a Bible, you left your Bible in the car, you left it at home, uh, you're going to want one. So there's one underneath the seat that you're sitting in. It's a white Bible. And Luke 11, I believe, is on page, there it is, page 506, I believe. Luke 11 is where we're going to be. we're going to pick it up in verse twenty-nine this morning, Luke eleven, verse twenty-nine. Um, and just a reminder, you guys, as you're flipping there, um, here at Flourishing Grace, we believe we believe that um, this book the, the, is the Word of God. Every 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 line, every sentence, every word has been breathed out by God. It's been inspired by Him. It has authority over every area of our lives. It has authority over um, my marriage, in my family, my career, my hope and dreams, my aspirations, my identity, my security, all of it um, it sits underneath the words of this book. And so in honor and reverence of the Word of God, I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me um, as I read the Word this morning. So if you would stand, I'm going to read our passage this morning. Luke 11, verse 29. When the crowds were increasing, he, Jesus, He began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon." And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, the whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then the whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can grab a seat. All right. All right, so uh, this, is, this is an intense uh, passage, especially at the, at the beginning of it, right? Jesus begins and says, man, this is, this is an evil generation, right? This is a, a broken generation um, speaking to the crowds, right? The crowds have begun to gather once again, and, and they are looking for a sign, a symbol. Now, now remember, right, if you've been with us, right, as we've walked through the book of Luke, has Jesus not already kind of performed some signs, has he not already shown them some crazy things, right? Um, he's, he's raised the dead. Um, he's given sight to the blind. He's done all kinds of crazy miracles, right? Healed uh, people from all kinds of diseases. Um, the paralytic being dropped in uh, through the roof. The, the woman who just touched his garment. Crazy things, right? And but again, they're saying, I want a sign. I want a sign. I want a sign. And then he, he he launches into this um, kind of rebuke on them on this on this longing for more always needing more never being satisfied um, and never never saying man the Messiah is here let's let's begin to act like it he says the only sign you will receive is the sign of Jonah. Okay, right now, for those of you who grew up going to uh, church, you know the story of Jonah. You've, if you've been around, uh, you went to church as a child. You probably um, were told this story. For some reason, uh, we tell our kids this story about a man being eaten uh, by a gigantic fish. Uh, I don't know why we tell our kids that. That's terrifying, um, but we do. Uh, and the, the the Jonah. How many days was Jonah in the belly of this fish? Three days. How many days is Jesus in the tomb? Three days. Jonah is, uh, emerges from the belly of this fish. Jesus emerges from the tomb and, and, and walks a new life. And uh, Matthew actually in his gospel draws this out. He says, he says this is what he's talking about. He's talking about th- this is what you're going to see. The sign that you're going to see is I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be buried for three days, but then I'm going I'm I'm to be alive. I'm going I'm to live again. And then, and then Jesus goes on and he says um, the queen of the south will rise up. The queen of the south, and she's going she's gonna to judge this generation. Well, who's the queen of the south? The queen of the south is the queen of Sheba, Right? And so when Solomon raised, reigned as king in the Old Testament, when King Solomon, the son of David, when he reigned as king, he was he was known in that moment as the wisest man on earth by far. God had given him this great, unbelievable wisdom. And the queen of Sheba says, I need to sit underneath. I need experience. I need to hear this wisdom. And so she travels a great distance in order to, um, in order to, Meet King Solomon and hear and experience his wisdom. He says, Man, what you. And then, and then he goes on, and he says, um, The people of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh will rise up and they will, um, they're, they're going to judge this generation. You see, the people of Nineveh, um, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, and Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. That The Ninevites were a people who uh, were less than. Um, they, they, he, he, he felt. Um, he felt like they were dirty and unclean and didn't want to go there. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to call them to repentance. I want you to tell them. I want you to preach a sermon to them. And so begrudgingly, after being eaten by a fish, um, Jonah goes to Nineveh. And, and, and he's so, he's so angry that he even has to be there. All he says is this: He walks into Nineveh and he goes, Listen, you got 40 days. If you don't repent, God's going to overthrow the city. And leaves. And the people of Nineveh repent. They turn back to God, and God rescues and redeems them. And so, what Jesus is saying to the people who are looking for the signs says, man, you, you're so foolish. The Messiah is right here. I've, I've created miracles. I've given you all these signs. I've done all these things in your, in, in your, in your presence. The Queen of Sheba is going to be there on the day of judgment, and she's going to say, Are you serious? Are you serious? I traveled across the globe to hear the wisdom of Solomon and the wisdom of Christ was right there in front of you and you rejected it? Are you serious? The people of Nineveh are going to stand there. They're going to be like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, You realize that the the greatest preacher of all time has preached the greatest sermons of repentance that have ever been heard to you and you rejected it? All we got was a few lame words from Jonah and we received it. Like what is wrong with you? And so at the end of the day, so they're going to be there and say, "What what is I don't understand, right? For people like like you and me." At the end of our days, missionaries who have given their lives to go into uh, countries that um, are remote villages where they speak a foreign language and there's no, there's no Bible translated into their language. They're going to they're gonna look at us at the, at the day of judgment and be like, seriously, you had it the entire time in your language? Every font and every size that you could possibly begin to imagine was at your fingertips, you had it in your pocket. You could have, you could have just pulled out your phone, you could have seen it. Man, I worked my entire life to produce that for for another for these, this people group. Yet the entire time, right, at the end of our days, the judgment will be more intense for those of us who have been given more. For those of us who have gotten to experience an amazing community like Flourishing Grace. I've been a part of small groups that love the word and love each other, sit under teaching from guys like me and Binger and Jake who just love the word and love the gospel. To have the, have the opportunity to be in a community that, 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 that sings amazing music and praises the, and declares the glory of God and all that Christ has done through song. To be able to sit underneath that at the end of our days, people will be sitting there and they'll be like, are you serious? You had all of that? You had all of that? What did you do with it? What did you do with it? And that's where Jesus actually goes next. It seems like these two things are separate, but they're not, okay? They're not separate. When Jesus then goes on, he says, "Um, no one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket. That's silly, right? They put it on a stand so that all who may enter the house would see light. Jesus says, listen, it's, it's foolish. He's, what he's going to do is he's going to give three statements. And they might seem complex, but the first two are very, very simple. The third one's a little bit more complex, but ultimately it's actually simple as well. And this is the first one, right? Nobody lights a lamp and puts it in a cellar or under a basket. Nobody does that. That's, that's silly. It's foolish. It makes no sense, right? No, no one goes home and turns on all the lights and then kind of covers them with pillows and blankets. Nobody does that. Nobody, nobody turns on the light switch at their home and goes and around and unscrews all of the bulbs. That would be weird, right? You need to see somebody for that. Um, that's, that's a strange thing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a statement that's so obvious, right? The people are like, well, yeah, we, we understand that. We get that. And Jesus is saying, yes, I am The great light. I'm the light of the world. The light of the world. All right, John, in the Gospel of John, John 1, John John references this, this idea. Here it'll be up on the screen for you. John 1, 9 and 10 reads this way. It says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus says, I'm the light. I'm the great light. I am the thing that is going to illuminate your life. It's going to show you all that God has for you. It's going to show you all that God wants for you. I am that great light. What do you do with this great light? We, we're called, we elevate the light. We shine, We use everything. Our lives should be a spotlight that shine on Christ for our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. All that we do should glorify, magnify, make known, make famous the name and the renown of Christ. With all of our energy, with all that we have, that should be the essence of our existence as followers of Jesus. We elevate the light. It's foolish not to. It's silly not to. It's like turning on a switch and going around taking off taking out all the bulbs. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. Jesus goes on. He gives the second statement. He says um, he says it this way in verse thirty four. The eye, your eye, is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Now, again, this is a really, really obvious and simple statement. It, it's confusing the way he says it, but it's really, really simple, right? If your eye is healthy, then um, you're full of light. If your eye is unhealthy, it's full of darkness, okay? And, and it makes sense. If, you, if your eye is unhealthy, you're, you're blind, right? You can't see. Um, there's no light. If your eyes healthy, you can see light. And so if, if if we if I if my eyes are unhealthy, if I cannot see, if I close my eyes, Jesus doesn't, Jesus says, doesn't say your hands, your, your hands find the light. He doesn't say your, your feet find the light, your your legs, your stomach, your head. It doesn't, doesn't find the light, right? You need something in order to find the light. And, and if, so if I close my eyes and I, I walk around the stage, which I'm not going to do because it's, it's dangerous. I will literally, I can't, my, my hands cannot tell me where the stairs are. I must fumble around in order to find it, risking life and limb that I might fall off the front of the stage. My, my feet can't tell me um, where uh, the mic stands are or things that I might trip over. They can't tell me until it's too late. Only my eyes can tell me that. And so I need both my eyes and the light, right? Again, if my eyes are healthy, but if you turn up all the lights, again, I'm lost. Again, I wonder. Again, I can't find the way. Um, And so I need two things. I need the light, and I need my eyes. And so what Jesus is saying is the light has come. The light is here. You have the light. You need the ability to see the light. We need a healthy way of viewing Christ. And so he's not talking about a literal light or a literal eye. He's talking about figurative light. He is the light. And our eye is our, is our mind, our heart, our spirit. Do, do we have it in us? Is our spirit in the right place to see Christ fully for who he fully is in all of the right ways? Do we experience him or are we wandering around in darkness? You can't see, see the light. We will miss him. Without the light of Christ, our lives are blind and our affections will wander and pursue lesser lights. Without a heart that is healthy enough to see him and receive him, we wonder about in our marriages, we wonder about in our longings, we wonder about straining to find acceptance and worth and value and purpose. If we cannot see, if our, if our souls are unhealthy our lives are, um, are about wandering around trying to find the things that are going to f- fulfill us. And in our, in our, um, our, our um, what's the word I just said? Affections, right? Our affections are, are wandering about. Our affections are, are like our hands and our feet trying to find the things that our soul craves, worth and value meaning and purpose. And if, we, if, our, if our souls are unhealthy and we, we're unable to see the light of Christ, all we end up with are lesser lights. Kind of like the shake weights of faith. You guys know what the shake weight is? All right? You know what the shake weight is? It's like 20, 1999. And if you call now, you get Two. And somehow, if you do this just for a few minutes a day with the shake weight, um, you get unbelievably jacked, massive biceps, tree trunk quads, rock hard calves, and just rippled abs, okay? Um, and all you gotta do is this, just a few minutes a day, literally, um, it's, it's fact, it's guaranteed, right? Um, but just, just call now and you get two. I don't know why you need two. Um, you can only use one at a time. And you just do this, right? And everybody knows that's a crock. Hey, does anybody own a shake weight? Oh, man. it <laughs> totally got you. They totally got you. Um, and, it's, and it's in a closet collecting dust, no doubt. And here's the reality, right? Uh, we are constantly searching for the shake weights of faith, the shake weights of our lives. We're, we're constantly pursuing these cheap ideas, cheap worth. Cheap acceptance, cheap assurance, cheap love, right? These lesser lights, or maybe maybe it's the ab lounger of life, right? Friends, the lounger's in the title, okay? It doesn't work. Right, if loungers in the title, I promise it's not going to produce amazing naps. My father-in-law owns one, um, or at least he did. I think it's gone now. It just kind of sits there. Um, these things that we think, we think this is going to work, and it's so easy. Just a few minutes a day. It's cheap. It's easy. It's going to, it never does. It never produces. It, it never works. And so when we, when we try to find our worth in cheap things, of men. We find our worth in cheap things like a, the sexual desire and image of a coworker, The dreams and longings that we have about them. It never, never fulfills. It never works. It only leaves us broken and longing and hurting and wandering about in the darkness. When we pursue our when we pursue our, um, when we pursue our, um, our purpose in our career in, in these cheap lights in our, in, our, in, our, in our finances in our in our future plans, it never fills it never feels like man I, i've made it i 've actually achieved it i've actually i've actually gained it it's just lesser than I, i'm supposed to have worth. i'm supposed to have purpose. I'm supposed to have meaning and acceptance and value. There's something deep inside of my soul that craves those things. But when we find them in lesser things, we wander about in the darkness, always wondering if maybe there's more. If our eye is unhealthy, we miss the worth and the purpose that is found in Christ. We fail to see him. We fail to see the fullness of the gospel and what that actually means for your life and for mine. All right? when, when, we, when, we find our, when we miss our worth that is bestowed upon us in Christ, we miss the fact, Ephesians 1.5, that he has predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. God's purpose, his will, is that you'd be a son and daughter of him. There's no more worth than that. There's no no hot girl at the gym or some guy at work that can bring you more worth than that. There's no status that can bring you more worth than that. He longs for you to be known and to experience the fullness of being a son and daughter in Christ. When we seek to find the purpose of our lives in lesser lights, we miss the purpose that's found in the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 20-21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be a sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Your purpose is to know and to experience and to become as righteous as Christ and to therefore serve as his ambassador in this life. You think you can find a greater purpose for your life. It does not exist to be one who leads others into flourishing relationships with Jesus. There is no greater purpose. There is no greater worth. There is no greater greater value in your life. When we find, try to find things that, to treasure or that treasure us, things that care for us, we miss it. Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You are treasured and loved by the God of all things. In him, you have all purpose and all worth and all value. You are more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You can stand on all things and say, no matter what happens in this life, I've conquered because Christ has conquered on my behalf. He's conquered sin and death. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered the curse. the, The fullness of the gospel, the greatness of the light. Seek it. See it, find it, cling to the light, know the light. Otherwise we wander in darkness. And the light in us is that darkness. And this is the last piece that Christ says, the last statement, and it is a little bit more confusing than the first two. Be careful, at least the light in you be darkness. Now, it's confusing because how can light be darkness? Okay, it doesn't make sense. But if we're not careful, this is what happens. You see, if we're not careful and we begin to wander away, push Christ away, we begin to walk away and find our fulfillment or at least half fulfillment in these lesser lights. Um, they become the things that we go, hey, this is going to satisfy us, so I'm going to pursue this, and this kind of satisfies a little bit, this is the best thing I've found so far, and so I'm just going to stick with that. These, these shake weights of faith, we find our, we try to find our fulfillment in that, um, and we move farther and farther away from Christ, and we make these things greater and greater in our lives. These lesser lights, um, actually actually produce a greater darkness. You see, the the, the dimmest star in our galaxy is so far brighter than than the brightest street light. The dimmest star is so far brighter than the the greatest light that we can possibly find on earth. If you could draw near to that star, which you can't, it would incinerate you, but if you could, it would just be insanely bright. It's blindingly bright, such a great, massive brightness. And yet in our city, with all of these lesser lights, the street lights, the home lights, the car lights, the, um, the, all of these lesser lights, when we look up at the night sky, we can't even see it. The lesser light has produced darkness. It's created darkness. You see, light has created darkness. And my fear, my fear is that this is what's true for some of us in this room, maybe a lot of us. Actually, I think a lot of, a lot of people who, who, who call themselves Christians in, 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 in at Flourishing Grace and in the United States, um, this, is, this is the reality of it. We, we, we understand intellectually, we understand Christ and we believe, yes, yes, there is a God and yes, I believe that he's the God of the Bible and I believe that uh, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, but you don't know the light. You see, intellectually, you can, you can have some sort of understanding, some sort of vague understanding, but you can still have that understanding and, and not know the light. I know that the stars are there. I know that there are great, massive, gigantic stars, bigger than planets, but I don't see them because I've filled my life with lesser lights. I've pursued my worth and value and my longings, my purpose and my acceptance in these lesser things. I've moved away from that great light. I know it's there. But when I look, all I see is darkness. I remember one of the most incredible moments for me was with a group of guys from Flourishing Grace. We we went to Buckskin Gulch down in uh, southern Utah and Arizona, and it was a it was a new moon. Our last night, we hiked out, and uh, so there's no moon. And I remember just sitting there, looking up at the sky and seeing more stars than I'd ever seen in my entire life. It was so dark out, and yet so bright. It was like daylight. It was just like like you, you could you could walk anywhere and go. In. There was not a single light on, but you you, 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 you weren't gonna run into anything. There was so much light. It was unbelievable. The Milky Way. You know, just gajillions of them. You couldn't count them all. We know they're there. but Sometimes we have to wander into the desert to actually find them. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to pursue the desert of your life. You push away the things that you found some comfort in, to push away the things that you found worth in, push away some of the things that you found value in, push away some of the things that you've begun to find your meaning and purpose in. You must, you must get away from the lesser lights in order to see the the true light more clearly. We must press these things away and draw near to this light. We must pursue the desert of our lives. We must find Christ. We find him in his word. We draw near to the word of Christ. We find him in prayer. We draw near to prayer. We draw near to Christ in prayer. If, if you are not in the word, you do not know the light. If you are not in prayer, you do not know the light. We draw to, through him, to him through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you do not know the Holy Spirit, you do not know the light. It's the reality. So let's let's stop finding, trying to find our worth, our value and our purpose in these lesser lights and let's pursue the great light that is Christ. And then, then. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. You want to be fulfilled, you want, to, you want meaning and purpose, you want acceptance, you want love, you want treasure, you want joy. It is in Christ alone. Christ alone, holy bright. Let me pray for you. Jesus, let us be a people who treasure you, pursue you, reject these things, these lesser lights find our worth our value our purpose our meaning in you and and let us not be a people who just say that let us not be a people who just intellectually understand that those things are true but actually experience it deep inside we, we we see it we know the light it guides our soul we no longer wander in darkness we find all of our joy, all of our acceptance, all of our meaning in you and love. Be with the men and women in this room. Give them a hunger for your word, a hunger for prayer, the, the, the longing to walk and to know the Spirit so that they might see you more clearly, experience the beauty of the gospel in their lives. Praise things you your name. Amen.